Uh, all glory and honor unto Jesus, our King, who is the King of kings and who is the Lord of lords, who alone deserves praise, who alone is sovereign in this world and sovereign among the nations. All glory and praise and honor be to Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, the one who is and was and is to come. Hallelujah to the King of kings. All the nations shall bring their glory before him. Hallelujah to Jesus. He is the one who sits on the throne and all things will be at his feet. Hallelujah to the one who is able to save us to the uttermost because we have given ourselves to him and we're looking for prophets of Jesus. Looking for true prophets of Jesus. This week I did my revelation study and it so stirred me on the prophetic gift that I said, can't get away from this. So I'm, so I'm bringing it to you. And those of you who had it once already, it, this is a little different because my focus will be on the last part of the passage, I hope. I never know. So number one, true prophets live in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then I saw another mighty angel, Revelation chapter 10, verse one, coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, and the rainbow over his head and his face was like the, sh the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. And he had a little scroll in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. When I have taught this text before, I, I have to admit, this is one of those passages that I went, hmm. And it's one of the reasons you keep studying the Bible and it's one of the reasons you stay humble because I'll promise you, you don't understand it all. And I'll promise you, if you study it a hundred years, he has yet more light and truth to break forth from his holy word. And one of the reasons we have to be careful about our dogmatism is we'll come to something and say, whoo, wait. And so who is this mighty angel? I'm going to posit before you, prophets live in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John, the apostle, who is now the prophet in the book of Revelation, is living in the revelation of Jesus Christ. He saw him in chapter 1. He saw him in chapter 4. And I am positing before you that this mighty angel is another revelation of Jesus. It's another unveiling of the glory of Jesus. Now, first of all, let's look at this. Who is this messenger from heaven? And I would suggest simply this, this messenger from heaven has continuity with Jesus. He is wrapped in the cloud. The cloud in the Bible is, when we, when we talk about the cloud, it's the cloud of his presence. It's the cloud that, that in, enfolds the Lord God, the Almighty. He is crowned with a rainbow and the rainbow, listen, always signals the covenant. So when, so when people have absconded with the symbol of the rainbow, they are flagging themselves in the covenant of God. The 
those things that you confess, you will end up being possessed by. Cloud crowned with a rainbow. God's covenant is the rainbow. And his face was like the sun. Ask Paul when Paul saw him. Go to chapter one when he was seen in his glory. His eyes are eyes of fire. His face is one, one that, that it's impossible to look at. His legs are pillars of fire, or if you will, like the feet of burnished bronze that we saw in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. There's a little scroll in his hand. Well, there was a larger scroll in the hand of the one who sat on the throne and the lamb is the one who opens that scroll. And now a little scroll that will be given to a prophet. His voice is like the roaring lion. I'm just sorry. If this one isn't Jesus, he's so disguised that I'm gonna worship him anyway. There's a moment when an angel says, don't worship me, I'm not, I'm not the one. But because of what he's about to do, I'm like, this is, this is our Lord. So this is the one we saw. Now, by the way, I got a stack of commentaries. I hadn't found one that says no. There's some people that say there's discontinuity and we'll come to that. But all these things are continuous to Jesus. Now listen, the revelation of Jesus is why preachers preach, prophets prophesy. It's why apostles take territory. The revelation of Jesus Christ is everything, everything, everything. It's the revelation of Jesus that we need in this hour. America is in turmoil. We are in turmoil as a people. We are in, we are in upheaval. Did, did, the world, did not the world change in this last week while we, while we watched? And is it not true that people are a, a trying to interpret it, B trying to blame it, uh, C trying to take credit for it, and D terrified by it. But those who have the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of the Lamb, the revelation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they are not moved. I'm a, I'm just, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a, You should pause and you should say, I want to see him. I want to see him. It's in the revelation of Jesus that the church is united. Just now, I want you to know the church is as divided as the world over what's going on saying this is what's going on and that's what's going on. So I'm gonna just tell you something. I don't know what's going on. I can only lean in and rely on what has been going on for a long time. And therein I can rest. 
I can rest in the one who survived the Caesars, the emperors, the kings. I can live in the revelation of the one who survives the despots and the tyrants. I can live in the revelation of the one who is not disturbed by either the rule of the people or the rule of the monarchs because he stands with a foot on the sea and a foot on the land. I have to see him through it all. I have to see him. I have to see him. I have to see him. see him tonight. I have to see him today. Prophets live in the mystery of God. Put a question mark. I didn't mean to. Question mark comes in a minute. And when the seven thunders had sounded, by the way, there, there's the seven thunders. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. You know, seven seals, seven trumpets, In this passage in the book of Revelation, six trumpets have passed. And always at the six, there comes something of a a seven. And when when the seven comes, it's another seven. It's on the the covenantal pattern of seven days and one, six days and one. It's it's on the sabbatical pattern of seven. Uh, This is an aside. You don't, this will just distract you. Um, has just distracted me. And, and, and in this scene, he's, literally, he's just before the seven trumpets going to blow. Listen, the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelation is the destruction of Jerusalem. And just before that, this mighty angel from heaven, this mighty messenger, the word angel is messenger. Remember, Jesus Remember every one of his parables as he spoke to Israel? He said, he sent you the prophets, he sent you the prophets, he sent you, and then he sent you his son. The last messenger on earth to Israel was the son. Now, the son comes literally, again, in the book of Revelation, just before Israel's, just before Jerusalem's destruction. And these thunders sound and we go, Man, we get so fascinated by the thunders. I want to just beg you, stop being fascinated by what you don't know and obey what you do know. Me, me, me. When the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard the voice from heaven saying, seal up the seven thunders, what they have said, and do not write it down. In other words, John you see, because John is writing for us. And he says, Don't, nope, not that. Nope. It's, 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 it's awesome because, listen, I, the seven thunders have a function. And they speak to me of a future unrevealed. And now listen, people who live in the kingdom of God live in the mystery of an unrevealed future. But there's something about the mystery that is revealed and revealed in this text. 
Do not write it down. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand from heaven and swore by him, by who? The one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and earth and what's in it, earth and what's in it, sea and what's in it, that, that there would be no more delay. In other words, he's, you understand? Swearing an oath, this is it, no more delay. Now note something. When the prophets came over and over, every time the prophet came, there would be a delay before God would act. God always gives opportunity for repentance. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. He's patient. I think this is the pattern of the nations now because nations are in God's heart. Even now, what are we? We are messengers to the nations. What is God doing? He's calling the nations. What are they to do? Bring their glory before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What are they to do? Be submitted to him. Yes, unlike a lot of preachers, I think judgment is still in the offing. And I have no trouble looking at collapses, calamities and saying, yeah, the hand of God is in that. Everybody wants to say, no, that's the devil. Well, have you read your Bible? Just read it. I can bring it down to the micro for you. Read 1 Thessalonians. Read the testimony of 1 Thessalonians. Read the stuff about sexual morality. And read the fact that God says very plainly, for all these things, I'll bring you into judgment. If you don't obey these, you will become under judgment. Can't have a sexual revolution and not have a sexual judgment. Can't have a sexual revolution and not have a sexual convolution. Convulsion. Anyway, again, that's an aside. That's not where I'm going. So a witness swears. So some people say, well, it can't be Jesus because he wouldn't be swearing an oath to the Father. Wrong again. Every time God makes covenant in the Bible... God himself is swearing an oath to man. And the Bible says, when he swears the oath of our salvation, it says, because when you swear, you swear by somebody greater than yourself. Because he could swear by no greater, he swears by himself. And this is what the, this witness is doing. What is he doing? He's swearing the oath of the covenant. He's looking, he's in covenant dress and he's declaring that there's no more delay. In what? No more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. What's the mystery? The mystery that was hidden in all the ages, but that all the prophets prophesied about, but it was hidden in all the ages, is that God, who had made covenant with one family, the Jews, was going to come to the time when he would open the gates of his family to the whole family of all people in all the earth. And that was the mystery revealed in Christ and brought to its consummation when Israel Finally, after all its rejection, came under a judgment. Now, anytime people hear me say that, they think 
that's like uh, some sort of anti-Semitic thing. No, it's just biblical preaching. And, and, and you say, well, are you saying that God is finished with the Jews? No, non nonsense. God's not finished with anybody. But it means that the functionality of Israel's national covenant came to its fulfillment in Christ. And then he wrapped his arms around the whole of the human experience. More than that, around all creation. Because I want you to know, he's the redeemer, not only of the souls of humanity, but of all of the creation that he made. Because there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein is righteousness. Boy, I want to see that. So seven thunders are concealed and the mystery of God is fulfilled. He stands on the land and the sea, signaling his magisterial authority. And by the way, also signaling his lordship of the Jews who are the people of the land and of the Gentiles who are represented by the troubled sea. He swears by the God of heaven, signaling covenant fidelity. And he says the trumpet will sound, signaling the fulfilled mystery. I just preached all that stuff to you, so I don't have to go back to you. And here it is in the Bible. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The household of God, what's that? Well, it's built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus being its chief cornerstone. Why? Because apostles and prophets have the revelation of Jesus and they can build the house. Oh, how desperate we are that the apostles and the prophets would reveal Jesus to the church, would speak the revelation of Jesus to the church, of Jesus why? In whom the whole structure is being joined together. Being, 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 growing into a holy temple of the Lord. Why? Well, if you follow with me in Revelation chapter 11, we're about to see the city of the temple come under assault. But he's going to declare in that next chapter, but the temple is not going to be destroyed. The building, but not the body. The whole structure joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The, the, the growing of the, of the structure is the growing of the kingdom, the growing of the body of Christ, the growing of those who have the revelation of Jesus. Why? In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God. New creation is a dwelling place for God. In New Jerusalem, there's no temple because the people, because it is a temple. It's a dwelling place for God. And you and I are the dwelling place for God. It's good that he lets us grow old and lose our affection for the, for the bodily passions because we are for him. And even the outer man perishes, the inner man is renewed. And as our, and as our passions fade, our, our revelation of him increases. When you read this, Paul went on to say in the very next chapter, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not, by the way, if you know the mystery of God, you know the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but it's now been revealed. Why? To his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs with the, and members of the body, partakers of the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. 
If you get that inside yourself, you'll understand what I'm going to Revelation 10 and Revelation 11. And you're going to understand what's going to happen next because it has to happen. It is fitting. It is fitting that, listen, John is the one who knew Jesus so intimately well. He knew him. He, I love the way John describes himself. He basically describes himself as the favorite. But I love the fact that the Jesus that John knew in his flesh is transcended by the Jesus that, that John comes to know in his resurrection life. The one, the one before whom he falls down as if he's dead. The one, the one who he weeps, but he's able to open the scroll. The one who now he stands before, able a little bit better to deal with the revelation, but handed a scroll of his own commissioning. Because John is one of those apostles and prophets upon whom the foundation of the church stands. Now listen to me. If apostles and prophets are giving us revelations that do not build the body of Christ, balderdash. Give me prophets that are stabbed wide awake with the glory of Jesus. Give me prophets who are breathless in his presence. Give me prophets who have eaten the sweet word of God and are undone by the commissioning that they have. Give me prophets who are, who are dead to everything but Jesus. Colleen spoke of a discipline, a cleansing that's coming in the body of Christ. It's happening right now. As our nation is shaking, the body of Christ is shaking. Oh, let it shake. Let it shake. Listen, you should want so much to have this work of Christ done that if it shakes you and kicks you to the side until he can raise you up in a better way, then so be it. So be it. 11, 11, hallelujah. The voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the messenger who is standing on the sea and on the land. You understand this is not a scene of somebody uh, standing by the water and letting the little, letting the little o- ocean flap. <laughs> this is one who is massive enough to stand on earth and sea as Lord. Take the scroll from his hand. So I went to the messenger and I told him to give me the little scroll and he said to me, take it and eat it. Make your stomach bitter. In your mouth, it'll be as sweet as honey. Want to be a prophet? Want to be a prophet? Better be ready to wonder, what is this pain I'm carrying? What is this, what is this agony that won't relent? And what is this mystery that compels me to eat again that which made me sick? This is the, This is the call of Jesus Christ. 
This is what we must answer if we're to be servants of God. This is, this is why the prophetic call is not for everyone. This is why the apostolic office is not for everyone. You gotta love John's tenacity that we've seen so far. But what is happening here? It, listen, he's now been given revelation, revelation of awful judgment. We read about it in the book of Revelation. You weren't with us, most of you, but you, some of you followed along. He's had enough revelation of divine judgment that now he's recommissioned again. Why? You still want to go? You still want to go, John? John, the one who wept for the scroll to be opened, now implores for the little book to be given to him. This is Paul. When Paul has so much zeal for God, and he gets, listen, and he, and he hungers for God so much, he goes about killing those who are, who are following the way, persecuting them so he can get them away from this Jesus because they're supposed to follow Yahweh God. And then Paul has the revelation of Jesus. <sighs> listen to me. The revelation is that sweet, sweet, sweet revelation of the God that he's been seeking and finds out that his name is Jesus. Oh, but <laughs> that's what he needed to go on with his mission. And he gets that. And then John, and then Paul goes blind. And Paul then is placed before a little servant that we don't know nothing about him, except he's told to go preach to Paul and tell him the things that he must suffer for the kingdom's sake. Says, I must send you before kings and great men. And listen, hear me. It's the revelation of Jesus that makes the suffering bearable. In fact, it's the revelation of Jesus that makes it unimaginable not to go through. I'm living with a certainty inside myself that the days of head will require things of me and things of us that have never been required before. And we will not like it. We will not like it. But the upward call of God in Christ, I think it's gonna come a time where Christians are going to have to manifest in their suffering what we did not manifest in our living. Y'all told us something about that last night. Okay, are y'all all right? Take it and eat. It'll make your stomachs bitter, but in your mouth, it'll be sweet as honey. Now listen. It's, it's, it's right here at this moment. Make yourself ready for communion. Steve has the elements if you are lacking. I want you to think about something for a minute. I've already told you, when God sent, when God sent uh, the prophets, 
He finally sent his son. And when the father sent the son, you know, the, the son then told them, you know, listen to the prophets. And so he sent the son and he told them that when, they, when the heir comes, that they would kill him. And some of the translations that speak of the communion tell us about the bitter cup. Because, because it was the moment in which the son who was appointed for this hour would face the hour that no man could hasten and no man could delay. He would face the hour that no man could fulfill and he alone could hallow with the gift of himself. And Jesus comes as the last, he comes as the great prophet, the one prophesied by Moses. He said, there's coming a prophet. This is why they would ask John sometimes, are you the prophet? And while, while John was Elijah, he was not the prophet that Moses spoke of, to whom the people would give their allegiance. Now he comes in his prophetic office and he is about to move into his priestly office as the one who is both the high priest and the sacrifice. But beforehand, he prays. And in his prayer, we know, we know the ferocity of the moment because we can't even fathom knowing the resurrected son what it must have been to have been faced with something that would cause even the son to shrink. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And as I tell people all the time, he could endure the pain of the cross. but it was the entering into the sin that caused this moment. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so today, today when I see the prophet told to eat, I'm reminded of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Receive. Sometimes I'm reminded of the cup that was left unconsumed at the Passover meal. I, I'll unpack that mystery. I have been past, but there were various cups, various cups for at the Passover meal. And one was left 
unreceived. And then he went to the cross and drank it. This is the cup of the blood of Christ. His bitter agony and our redemption. Receive it. Prophets live in the revelation of Jesus. They live in the mystery of God. And they live in the conflict of devotion. The conflict of devotion. And I took the little scroll that was in the hand of the angel and I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Now watch what this was. This was just a retelling of what had happened to Ezekiel. What was Ezekiel for? Ezekiel was being commissioned by God to do what? To go and speak to Israel about what? About their rebellion and about God's glory. Over and over in the book of Revelation, we find Ezekiel in his revelations. And we find that um, that he is, he is told to open his mouth and eat what I give you. And I, when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of the book was in it. And he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and the back and there were words written on it, lamentations and woe. Ah, you see it now. Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat the scroll and go speak to the house. I opened my mouth, gave me the scroll to eat. And he said, and he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you. It will fill and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. But if you keep reading Ezekiel, you'll read this. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me the voices of great earthquakes Blessed be the glory of the Lord from this place. It was sounded like the wings of living creatures as they touched one another and the sound of the wheel behind them and the sound of a great earthquake. And the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness. And in the heat of my spirit, and the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were dwelling by the Kibar Canal and I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. This is the prophet's calling. The sweet revelation of God is followed by the ministry among the exiles down by the river. God is always sending and commissioning who will go for me. I'm going to tell you something that we're about to go into a time that listen, that the church 
they don't learn to sit among the people, we're not going to fulfill our commission. That's it, isn't it, Lord? Okay. Okay. Can't say anything else. Stand together. Some of you are, are wondering if I'm saying things that I haven't said. The answer is yes. I'm saying a lot of things that I've not articulated. I believe I've heard from the Lord. I can finish now. And I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings because John was being recommissioned. was being recommissioned. John, you're not done yet. I'm recommissioning you. Even as he recommissioned the rabbi Saul, he now recommissions the one he loved. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go, John. This is Jesus. Listen, if you go, you go with the revelation of Jesus, though. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Oh, God, that the world would see Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God.